0: You are listening to Miller and Moulton exclusively on the Florida sports network. And now here's Mark Miller and David Moulton.
1: This is going to be a fun dozen minutes with Seth Everett. <laughs> he has sports with friends in hall of justice. First off, this is once again, you need to join us occasionally. Twitch.tv slash Miller and Moulton. You get to see Seth. He's joining us from a hotel room. We found out during the break. It's a daddy-daughter, fun education trip all at the same time. They took in the Devils game against the Caps last night, Ovechkin with two goals. Devils still need a goalie. Uh, And Daughter's looking at schools. And Seth, I don't know if you're aware, but Trent, the young producer who joined the show about four months ago, he's all things Detroit. And we have said, God has a sense of humor. You're going to marry a cute lady from Appleton, Wisconsin who has Packer season tickets because that's how it works. So now we know what, you know, Trent's future looks like. You went to Georgetown yesterday (laughs) with your daughter? I mean, it's done. The proud Syracuse alum is going to (laughs) be sending a couple hundred thousand dollars to Georgetown. This is great.
2: Well, all right. Since you went there, I'll tell this story. So the 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 um, the phrase that the word hoya comes from is hoya saxa. That's that's where their name comes from. It's a, it's a, I think it's a Latin phrase. I think I don't I don't know uh, hoya saxa. There is a Syracuse website that I have followed since the internet started. That is hoya saxa. They changed the A to U. And I walked around, and on the billboards, there's all this Hoya Saxa, and I said, that's spelled wrong."
1: That's where your money's going, buddy. <laughs> yeah, right.
0: <laughs> you can't stop it now. Once yeah. the visit comes, they fall in love with the school. You can't be that dad. You can try. <laughs> gonna- I mean, it's not like she's a Ranger fan.
2: <laughs> no. No, but... She's not a a whole
1: question in your life, Seth. What would be worse if my daughter a went to Georgetown or B became a Rangers fan? I mean, honestly, that, that, that's your hell right
2: there. Georgetown is a fantastic school. (laughs) Exactly.
0: You can always fall back on that one, Seth. (laughs) Nothing
2: good comes from the
1: Rangers. (laughs) Except the goalie.
2: uh, What'd you guys think of the, uh, the MetLife stadium thing?
1: Um, I thought it was a very good weekend for hockey. I have not seen ratings. I'm curious. Obviously, it was a big thing in the Northeast. But I'm curious, since there was very little sports on this weekend, with Daytona getting rained out Sunday, I thought it was a big opportunity for the NHL. They presented a really good product. It looked great on TV. I'm curious if anybody watched
2: it was, uh, it was really cold. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I'd like to know how many people saw it. Um, I mean, they can't argue with 150,000 people seeing hockey in the area, you know, in person, uh, which was pretty impressive. Um, what I loved was the way they paid attention to detail. I'll give you two cases in point. Every song in the, Every team in the NHL has a goal song that they play whenever the home team scores and the devils used to have a rock and roll part two uh, by gary glitter and they changed it about 10 years ago and they had a contest of what should their goal song be and there was a whole thing and a new jersey band uh had a you know this local band had a song that the devils use as their goal song for the metlife stadium game they had the band there live and they were on standby next to the rink and every time the Devils scored, they played live. And when Nico Heacher scored 32 seconds in, the band was scrambling to get ready. It was fantastic. It's the attention to detail that I noticed that I hadn't seen in the two other outdoor games that I had been to, the one at Yankee Stadium and the one at Citizens Bank Park that I saw that was in the very, very beginning. I just think that the NHL has this so down It was remarkable. The other thing I thought was really cool, and this is maybe just subtle for me, they kept announcing in the stadium how this was New Jersey's first game at the Meadowlands since 2007. They don't need to do that. There's a generation of people that don't even remember that. And the reality is is the Devils played at the Meadowlands Arena for 25 years, and it's a stone's throw from MetLife Stadium and the devils were returning to the meadowlands, you know, to play this outdoor game. I just thought that was so. What a great homage to your history, a history that is long forgotten when you move arenas. And in
0: a, a team, I mean, in a team, quite frankly, without a ton of history, right? You know, a, a more recent franchise. So to to get into that, that, that's fantastic. I I will say, you guys are both. You know, you obviously live there. David's from the northeast. I'm a hockey guy. I wasn't running to watch the stadium series this weekend. I didn't watch a second of it so I you know like you David, I'm curious of the ratings right because while it came off really good and they did a fine job with everything is anybody watching it outside the fans right. of those teams
1: right and like so if, and if they don't get Mark, that's a bad sign Trent did you watch it all I did not yeah and that, that's That's bad because they're both hockey guys. Granted, the Wings Uh are their favorite team, but they both like the sport. Trent even went to a minor league hockey game over the weekend. So, I mean, you know, these are two hockey fans. You and I watched because our teams were involved. Sure. But, you know, that, I mean, on a very, very light sports weekend. I mean, you had golf with, you know, Tiger not in it. And And, uh, arguably the uh, second biggest name in the field. uh, Disqualified. Yep. Right. You know, the Daytona gets rained out to Monday. The NBA's all their stuff's at night, okay? Yep. And it's on cable, and the hockey's on network TV. By the way, second lowest rated All-Star game and what have you ever. It did beat the year before, but the rating's not good. Uh, so Now I'm going
2: to have to explain to my daughter what cable is? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Tell her it's what they're doing to streaming in a bundle. <laughs> okay. Play a cassette for her while you're at it.
0: Maybe even an eight-track, Seth. Yeah, yeah,
2: that's right.
1: Hell, even a CD for that matter. But uh, do you see Fubo? It, that's who it is. Right? is it? Okay, there's they're suing everybody. Yeah, they.
0: That's uh, Is this well, a hail? Sale? Seth, is this a hail mary by them? Because they're they're you know they they had their little run with stock a while ago. It's worth pennies now. Um, Is this their last Hail Mary to try to get into the game?
2: Yeah, I mean, their their whole idea and it was, you know, a very forward thinking idea is uh, Fubo is the home for sports. So what they did was they spent their money to get not content in terms of scripted content or reality content. They wanted sports rights deals. And so Fubo is the place, the, it's the app that if you subscribe to them, you get all the regional sports networks around your particular area. And it's a smart idea. What the, the the new venture between Fox and ESPN and Warner Brothers is supposed to be is a sports hub. Well, they're saying literally the same thing. The difference is, is the content's very different because the, the Warner Brothers uh, ESPN Fox thing is their property it's their thing whereas Fubo is just taking other people's stuff so I, I don't know that the, 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 the lawsuit has merit but yeah it, a good way to describe it is a Hail Mary. he's Seth Everett Sports
1: with Friends Hall of Justice or his two terrific podcasts you can follow him on Twix Twitter slash X at Seth underscore Everett hey uh, Commissioner Manfred I know your buddy yes. he thanks came for out- listening thanks for listening Rob <laughs> he came out a few days ago and said, yeah, I think we need to redo our off season. And I think we need to do it like the other sports where, quite frankly, we have a signing period and I want to make December free agency month and basically have everything locked up by January one. And then we show up six weeks later to spring training. You deal with the Players Association a lot. Do you think the players, because the players, in a sense, Seth, they hate, I mean, guys signing third week of February, not sure if they're going to get a contract offer, there's merit to it, but at the same token, it creates less leverage, so they might lose money in that situation. Do you think there's any chance that baseball can create what football and basketball have created?
2: No. Uh, I don't think the union would go for it in the slightest. I haven't talked to anybody about that in the last couple days uh, since uh, Robbie Manfred had his uh, press conference. Uh, But, you know, the the idea of trying to create events, you know, we've praised in the past the NFL, they make a night out of the schedule. Like something that you could post on Twitter in two seconds, they make a night out of it. Um, You know, other sports do that very, very well. Um, Baseball doesn't. And what baseball uh, is going to try to do is put the toothpaste back in the tube and it just, it doesn't work. Um, In order to have leverage, you need time and you need teams to see how their other teams are shaking out. That's how deals get made. Uh, So frankly, in my opinion, it's going to stay exactly the way it is.
0: Did you have any problem with what Anthony Rendon said about baseball not being a top priority?
2: No, but I am not a particular fan of him or his team. You know, I, I don't, I don't not like him. Um, I think that if if you are a fan of him or a fan of his team, uh, that's th- that it's just not what you want to hear. And none of what he said is wrong. None of what he said is unique to him. Uh, we've heard it, you know, time and time again. It's just, it's not cool. When you say that, because what I think about is an eight-year-old who has an Anthony Rendon jersey, and he wants to hear that baseball is not his not number one priority. You know, I follow teams where I, I, I bring up this guy all the time. Uh, Arsenal has this this guy named Bukayo Saka. He's, he's a superstar. He's the Jack Hughes of the Premier League. And this guy leaves every minute on the field. Like, he gives... One thousand percent, and you can tell this is his life. And even if he, in his private thoughts, thinks it's a job, he doesn't let you think that. He think makes you think it's the biggest thing in his world. That's what Rendon didn't do. Uh, literally
1: thirty seconds. Uh, sports with friends. Speaking of,
2: yeah, sports with friends. Tyler Adams is a uh, a midfielder for the U.S. Men's uh, Olympic Soccer Team um there's a big he's also uh, he plays in the premier league for bournemouth and started with the red bulls uh he's a fascinating guy uh he is uh part of the the, the world cup hall of justice is all about oh uh madam webb and it sucks <laughs> <laughs> all right the podcast is good the 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 the, 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 the movies right Lame. uh our best
1: to your daughter thanks for her tolerating you doing this safe travels and we'll talk again next week. Sounds good. See you guys. Go, Go Hoyas. Seth Everett joining us here on Miller & Moulton.
0: You're listening to Miller & Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network. And now here's Mark Miller and David Moulton.
1: Matt Kanata, Pro Football Network. ProFootballNetwork.com will join us in a little more than 15 minutes. We've got a couple of poll questions today floridasportsnetwork.com that Mark Miller the David Moulton on Twix vote accordingly uh first off do you do you give first team mulligans when you play golf yes or no i'm a first team mulligan guy you have to play the mulligan though all right but i'm a first team mulligan guy mark not so much and um in that, shouldn't, that of,
0: shouldn't surprise anybody
1: no and in honor of Anthony Rendon Basically saying, listen, this is a job. I'm here, aren't I? Okay? And saying that playing baseball is not a priority. That, um, well, how is it that you feel about your job? You know, love it? Eh. Hate it. Eh is winning in a big way.
0: Hate my job has moved up from the 9 percentage points it had earlier in the show to 13% as people are now arriving at work. Right. And jumping on X. Seeing the post- And acting accordingly.
1: We think during the lunch hour that the hate votes are going to go way up when people are having such a glorious day at work or have run into the person that they absolutely hate at work and want to get fired. Um, In all seriousness, I want to bring something up because this is the discussion, and we brought this up a couple hours ago. This is the discussion that's going to happen today in Dallas. College football playoff folks are meeting. The SEC and the Big Ten is going to look at the rest of the room and go, uh, yeah, we're not sharing the money evenly, okay? There would be no playoff without us. So we've got to make our money, if you know what I mean. Whether our teams win games in the playoff or not. So however you guys are thinking we're going to divvy up the money, just make sure that, like, The majority of it's coming our way. You got it? Let me ask you this, Mark, because if there's backlash, if the rest of the room goes, shove it. Well, we all know that the Big Ten and the SEC could, now they've tied down with TV contracts, may not be able to do it right away. But Mark, in theory, they could go to ESPN and Fox, who are running the sport, and say, well, we got two more years with the existing playoff format, but how about we do our own thing in 2026? Just the two of us. Would that work? If you know what I mean, where the Big Ten becomes the NFC and the SEC becomes the AFC. They would literally become the college football version of the NFL.
0: Let me just ask you this counter. How would – Fox would be all for this Uh because Fox would then get their playoff, the Big Ten playoff, if you will, Uh leading up to the college football Super Bowl with the Big Ten champ taking on the SEC champ. Uh How would ESPN be with all of this? Because in essence, they'd be losing half the programming to the college football playoff.
1: Well, they'd have Greg Sankey looking at them going, well, do you want to get on board? Because this is what Tony and I are going to do. So do you want to keep televising these games beginning in 2026? Or do you want Fox to televise them all? Because we have no problem with you guys televising our regular season games. We'll do the playoff on Fox. We don't care where the money's coming at from. And
0: NBC and a streaming service yeah. and wherever else we're going to do Totally.
1: This. Don't care. Just don't care. You can carry all our regular season games. We love you, SEC Network. We're partners. So that's what I think Greg Sankey would say. Listen, do you want to keep driving the car? Or do you just want to drive it part of the time and be a passenger the other part of the time? But let me ask you will this work? Here's the part that I really, I've been saying this for years. The Ohio States and the Alabama fans can't tolerate their teams going eight and four, and that's what happens when your sport becomes the NFL. The 12 and O's are gone. If you're only playing the SEC and the big 10, those four non-conference wins disappear and now look at who you're playing. Mark, how many Gator fans are in our lives? They are miserable. You want to answer the Anthony Rendon question? They're miserable. They hate their family. They hate their job. They hate everything about their life right now. You know why? They've had three straight losing seasons in football. They can't handle it. You tell them the next couple of years are going to go 7-5 and five and 8-4, and four, they ain't going to sign up for that either.
0: If, but if you know, I told you they were going to go 8-4 and four and that got you qualified for the playoff, would that change their mind? But, no no I, it wouldn't change the Alabama fans mind but right now the Florida fan eight and four nine so. and three and you're in the playoff
1: Now there's a big difference between eight and four and nine and three but I know what you're saying but see to me this is like as NFL fans I mean think about us okay we have the teams we root for on Saturdays we know what our record has to be on Saturday to be relevant. Our record doesn't have to be that to be relevant on Sunday. Hell, nine no. and seven teams have won the Super Bowl.
0: The Gators fan, that's the Bucks fan, can attest to that.
1: Right. Okay. And so, their standards on Saturday are very different than their standards on Sunday. And I'm, I'm very serious when I say this. I mean, first off, if the SEC and Big Ten go forward with this, all of the charm – of college football is in danger of completely being erased, and this basically just being NFL two. That's number one. But Mark, I'm serious about this. Okay, you know you're Michigan State guy, but you know many a Michigan fan. How did they handle life before the last three years? They were miserable.
0: They were well? miserable.
1: Correct. Well, now that's with them scheduling three, four wins a year. They started the year four and zero. Oh. And look at how it ended up for ten years. That's the day I mean, the Big Ten and the SEC want to do their own thing, that's great. That's all you're playing. What's your win loss record gonna
0: look like? I mean, look at it. Big ten becomes four, four team divisions. You play two of them every you you, you know, you figure out how you're gonna divide up the schedule. One year you don't play the West, the other next year and you play the other two. Remember, conference championship league. game would go away and it would uh, be, uh, it would probably go away, David, because the playoffs each round would generate the kind of money necessary.
1: Hopefully. But you know what I'm getting at here. I mean, if you're going to completely professionalize this sport, well, the charm, the rivalries, the tradition is what made your sport different. You're totally trashing that for what? Money. Okay, now let's talk about the one-loss record, and you're going to keep going to your donors for money. Hell, Bo, remember Bo Frank Solich got fired at Nebraska because he went nine and three. Bo Pelini got fired because he was a jerk, and he kept going nine and three. Now, obviously, it turned out to be a mistake, but that's the mentality of the elite college fan base. They can't handle nine and three. You want to turn your sport into the NFL? Hell, the Chiefs just won eleven and six. What's the equivalent of that in college? Eight and four? Yeah. You go eight and four three years in a row at LSU. Tell me how that's working out, Brian Kelly.
0: Initially, David, it would go really badly. It depends how this playoff works.
1: Okay. I I would just be in the room. I- Saying to Tony and, and Greg, he may just want to pump the brakes on this. You're making a boatload of money. Money's not the problem for you guys anyway. What you don't need to keep pressing for more right now. Can we just see how this works first? before you destroy this sport. Cause that's what they're talking about today in Dallas. You're talking about becoming the AFC and the NFC in a very subtle way.
0: Miller and Moulton. We'll switch gears back to the NFL. Matt Kanata, Pro Football Network. He joins us next right here on Miller and Moulton. You're listening to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network.
1: Our final segment along the network, and we end in style with Matt Kanata. He's the guy. He founded, he runs Pro Football Network and College Football Network for that matter. pfn.com, cfn.com. Follow Matt on Twix, Twitter slash X at Kanada, two N's, one T, PFN, Kanada, PFN. It's David and Mark. How you been?
3: I like the Twix. I like that. That's really clever. I'm going to start <laughs> using that from now that on. <laughs>
1: Unfortunately, it's the damn candy bars in the way. We would have, you know, (laughs) copyrighted that thing. We'd we'd be rich. We'd we'd be a business partner of Pro Football Network if that damn candy bar wasn't in the way. Yep.
0: (laughs) All right, Matt. Um, It is the time of year where we're speculating, whether it's the draft, whether it's free agency, whether it's franchise tags, what has you most interested right now at this point in the NFL offseason?
3: Yeah, you know, coming off a, a really good competitive Super Bowl, right? I'm, I'm most excited to see where the QBs land in free agency, right? Kind of sounds a little cliche with, with which is that, that position, but you have you have your top two. You have Kirk Cousins, who we don't know is going, going to go back to Minnesota. Then you have Baker Mayfield, likely going to be back in Tampa, but can there be a bidding war for him if uh, if the Buccaneers choose not to franchise tag him, right? That's obviously the wild card and everything. After Baker, you have you have a bunch of backups, right? Minshew, Bursett, James, and so forth. So, so starting up top, there, understanding what, how that's going to shake out and what that's going to look like. And then you look at the running backs too. There, there is a good crop of running backs that to hit the market. Obviously, again, the franchise tag. You look at Saquon, you look at Josh Jacobs, you look at Derek Henry, Tony Pollard, Austin Eckler, DeAndre Swift, right? That list, that list is kind of deep, going down to Zach Moss and J.K. Dobbins. Uh, there's some good players there, and then looking at wide receivers: T. Higgins, Mike Evans, Michael Pittman Jr., Calvin Ridley, Marquise Brown, Donor Meru, Gabe Davis. Even um, it's going to be a, a robust free agent market with with a lot of top heavy players, and we're going to see some good action these first few days uh, in the upcoming uh, month or so, less than a month before that legal tampering period begins.
1: You know, the quarterback class. Yeah, you mentioned the top two, but. That's probably the best pool of quote-unquote backup quarterbacks that we've seen yeah. in free agency maybe ever. Matt, do you think, I mean, you know, we could all recite the examples of last year, of backups being needed, you know, Minshew, you know, having to, he won seven games as a starter last mm-hmm. year in Indianapolis. Flacco coming off his couch when he come back player of the year. Do you think Miller and Moulton have been big in investing in a backup yeah. quarterback. Do you think yeah. this is the year with that pool of talent available that teams spend money on
3: their QB two? You you have to right. I mean, how many? It's not common for QBs to um, go through the entire season without missing a game, without missing some snaps. Right? Uh, very few, very few are able to consistently do it. Right? You might have one good year. Let's say Tua, for example, where he didn't miss uh, any games this year, right? Um, but that's not that's not something that's the norm norm for, for any QB in the league. And if you have your franchise QB go down, you need to have a good premium backup QB, right? And I look at that list. I, I think Brissette, he's been around um, the horn a little bit. I, I'm not really too sold on him. I think he's a serviceable quarterback. I look at Gardner, right? I look at Jameis. I look at those guys with still some high upside who can come in and, and really, if you can go, you know, win three games, win four games, um, and, and here and there, obviously it's just a bridge to that franchise QB gets back. But if you're not investing in your backup QB position, you're, you're playing very dangerously, living on the edge. So I think that's incredibly important, and I think more teams are starting to realize just how important that is.
0: Are there going to be deals at the running back position? You know, unless Saquon gets tagged, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Jacobs doesn't look like he's going to get tagged. We've got Derrick Henry out there. There should be a lot of value at the running back position this year.
3: There should be, right? And I think that's that's what's most exciting about that because uh, Barkley, Jacobs, and Pollard all all were franchise tagged in 2023, right? Likely they're not going to uh, be franchise tagged again this year. The the interesting thing that's going to be out there is how do teams continue to value the running back position, right? We know we've seen the data. We've seen the trends around running backs getting second contracts. Look at Ezekiel Elliott, for example, right? Dominant, dominant player. First few years in the league gets that second contract, and it's been really hard for him to get at that level that he used to. Derrick Henry is aging, right? I don't think teams are going to be looking at him as a RB1 who's going to uh, come there and settle that position for them. But I think Saquon still has a lot of mileage left on him. I think Josh Jacobs definitely does. I think Tony Pollard does an Austin Eckler. I think he's a dynamic running back out of the backfield. Uh, obviously uh, Harbaugh is now there in L.A. So uh, if he has value on Eckler, he's going to make sure that deal gets done. Uh, but this running back group is, is pretty impressive That's going to hit free agency. You don't get a good running back group like this that hits free agency often.
2: But
1: did Saquon turn down last year More money than he's probably going to be offered this year. I mean, Mm -hmm. reportedly, the Giants put two and guaranteed twenty-three million in front of him last year. Well, he ended up getting tagged, which was ten, and they threw a million in incentives. And I'm not sure he reached them because he didn't reach a thousand yards. Well, that means he'd be making eleven or twelve this year. Matt, let's just say the Giants don't tag him. Is yeah. he going to get offered 11 or 12 million? We saw Cook. Cook wasn't even offered 6 when he hit the market yeah. last year. Do you think a team is going to offer Jacobs Barkley whomever 10 or more million a year?
3: Well, you, you look at the the current contracts now, right? Saquon is going to be uh 20, 27 when the season starts. You look at how much the running backs are making now. You have Kamara making the most at 15 mil per year, or or Kamara making one of the most at 15 mil per year. McCaffrey's making 16 mil per year, right? McCaffrey's 28, Kamara's 29, Kamara's kind of falling off that cliff. You look at guys in that that range, Nick Chubb, 29 years old, 12.2, Aaron Jones, 30 years old, 12 million per year. Jonathan Taylor, 25, 14 million per year. Then you look at uh, Joe Mixon, right, 28 years old, 5.75 million. Miles Sanders, 27 years old, 6.3 million. Uh, Bijan Robinson, 5.4 million. Obviously a rookie. So having Saquon getting that contract isn't isn't totally unrealistic, but knowing his injury history uh, the past several years, I think it's going to be hard for him. I think he's going to be disappointed when he hits that open market because I don't think teams are running around uh, trying to get into bidding wars for running back. So I think, you know, I think they misplayed that last year. I think they tried to uh, uh, push the Giants into one direction and didn't think that the Giants would push back as heavily as they did. They're probably going to regret that when pre-agency opens and they're not getting the contracts that they think that, that Saquon deserves.
0: What's Mike Evans going to get on the open market, or is he going to be a buck next
3: year, Matt? Ooh, that's a tough one because Mike Evans has, has been the most consistent player uh in, in for the Bucks for quite a while, right? And uh certainly being able to hit the market again and looking at what he's uh currently making, um, right, I think it's in the twelve million range or so and, and recently signed a five year eighty two point five million contract back in twenty eighteen. He's going to be uh thirty one, I believe, when the season starts. I know he's yep, thirty yeah. now. And so, oh. I think wide receivers look a little different than running backs, right? When you get consistency, when you get that big target for QBs, I think teams are understanding just how important a wide receiver one is. And he's going to get a nice contract. I'd be surprised if he's not with the Bucks again. But uh, certainly the top free agent wide receiver to hit the open market, uh, besides T. Higgins, there's probably going to be a nice bidding war for him. And he's going to end up getting the money that he's looking for because of that bidding war.
1: Matt Kanata? Pro Football Network, College Football Network, ProFootballNetwork.com, CollegeFootballNetwork.com, PFN.com, CFN.com. Follow Matt on Twix, Twitter slash X at Canada two N's, one T, PFN, Canada PFN. What's Baker going to get? What are you hearing? Because all along we thought. Well, that Daniel Jones contract is really going to handcuff the Bucks because if he mm-hmm. got 40 for times four, isn't that kind of what Baker has to get? But it seems as if the NFL wants to treat that contract as the aberration and create kind of a middle-class starting quarterback contract where you make 25 to 30 a year. Ultimately... What do you think Baker's going to get? Daniel Jones or
3: three for 90? So probably we're projecting at PFN. We're projecting that $75 million range for about a three-year deal or so, right? We're looking at uh, Geno Smith compensation range. And Geno Smith signed with the Seahawks when he was 32 years old to that three-year $75 million. So we're looking at that as, as the starting point for where the, the Bucks look at Baker. Again, I'd, I'd be shocked if the Bucks don't don't sign Baker based on everything that he's done for them this past season, right? And so looking at that, uh, if they can't work out a deal, obviously franchise tag would, would be the way to go. But that's where we're projecting. He'll probably get a tick above that, right? I think that $90 million range that, that you mentioned is right on target um, with, with what, what he's probably going to command from the Buccaneers.
0: Justin Fields plays for who next
3: year? Not the Bears. Not the Bears. And this is something that I've been uh, talking to our draft analysts at Pro Football Network about. Um, Caleb Williams, they believe, is a generational prospect. They believe that Caleb Williams has all the tools to be successful, especially you know, the mental toughness that you need to succeed in the NFL and, and throwing away all the upside noise. I think the Bears have, have seen what Justin Fields can and cannot do. I think they they know his ceiling. They know his floor. But when you have a chance to get a dynamite QB and and one of the best prospects prospects in a while, you you make that move. Now, where does he play? Everyone's saying Atlanta. Um, I'm going to throw a dark horse in there. I don't think it's going to happen. But the Dolphins could make a trade for him. Maybe not as a starter, but maybe as as a backup. Um, If if no one else kind of goes after Justin Fields. But you look around... You look around the NFL. Who needs a the QB? The commanders could be one option, right? But you have to fit the system. Obviously, Quick Kingsbury is there, but they have the number two pick. Are they going to want to uh, try to jump up for Caleb at one? Are they going to uh, stay back at two and maybe get a Drake May if if he's available and so forth? Um, but but Justin Fields is not in Chicago. There's a there's a large contingent in that front office who did not have anything to do with drafting Justin Fields, especially the I think the new president and. Um, I don't, I don't believe he's a Chicago Bear when the season begins, or even a Chicago Bear in the next few weeks once free agency opens and they're able to trade him. We have been hearing maybe a third-round pick, second-round pick he would command on, on the market, so teams uh, trying to get him probably won't have to pay a premium, even though the Bears are uh, sticking their, their, their feet in the sand and saying we're not going to give him up unless it's a premium compensation package.
1: By the way, what is Pittsburgh going to do at that position? I mean, their play has been bad. If you count Roethlisberger's like last year, they're not even averaging one touchdown pass per game for three-plus years now. I mean, they're going to bring in a veteran to challenge
3: Pickett? Who? (laughs) We've been hearing, I think it's been around a little bit, uh, Russell Wilson could be a possibility there, right? But does Russell Wilson fit that kind of, The style that Tomlin likes. He likes that big pocket passer, right? The Steelers have the 20th pick in the NFL draft. That's probably a little too late for them to get a premium QB. That's not going to be probably any any better than Kenny Pickett right off the bat, right? So I don't think you can go into the season with Pickett and Rudolph as the two QBs battling for that number one spot. Certainly, uh, Russell Wilson is going to be on a trade market. We've been hearing some rumblings around there that he might end up in Pittsburgh. That's a really tough one, right? And you know, when you're just looking at the the crop of free agent QBs, Baker's not going to hit the open market, right? He's going to get franchise tags. You look at Kirk Cousins; that could be a possibility. That feels like a good fit for the Steelers in terms of what they look for in their passers. But after that, after that, there's nothing. So you either uh, I don't think I don't think they go after Fields. I don't think Fields fits the style of offense that they want to run and, and that Tomlin likes to run. You look at Kirk Cousins. You look at Russell Wilson. And then maybe you look at trying to trade up in the draft for a QB, maybe a Jaden Daniels, maybe a Bo Nix, right? But, again, maybe Michael Penix. But, again, how much better are they going to be than Kenny Pickett in year one? Are they going to be any better than Kenny Pickett overall? I think the Steelers are in a really tough spot because of their draft order uh, selection at 20 and just because of the limited number of QBs that can actually start in the league. There will be an upgrade over what they currently have.
0: So if the Vikings lose Cousin, what direction do they go in a QB?
3: Yeah, that that's that's an interesting one, right? Um, I don't know if I don't know if those two are are, are ready to renew again, right? I, I think I think you can make the case of hey, let's try to figure this out, let's try to make it work, and let's re up for for another two years or so years or so. Um, you look at you know where they're selecting in the draft. And you kind of look at seeing, okay, can they can they get a QB right? They have the eleventh, yeah. the eleventh overall pick. I think they can get a QB there, but do they want to reset, right? Do they want to kind of reset and start over with a with a young QB, a rookie QB? When I feel like they have a good uh, yeah. foundation in place with Justin Jefferson, who wants a new contract as well, they're gonna have to make some decisions there. Um, but yeah. but if they don't, if they don't get Kirk Cousins, I think they will obviously end up drafting a QB uh, in, with that eleventh okay. pick. Matt Kanata,
1: Pro Football Network, CollegeFootballNetwork.com. Follow Matt on Twix, Twitter slash X. Kanata, two N's, one T, PFN, Kanata PFN. Hey, Matt, thanks for doing this. All the best to you and the family. Hopefully we can talk again around the draft. Be good.